Good morning. Good morning, Sister Drake. How are you doing? I'm good. Pastor Jay, how are you doing? I'm great. I just wanted to thank you for coming on the weekend show. And we decided that we may do a series of these shows based upon topics that revolve around anything that comes to our mind. Amen. <laughs> well, thank you for letting me come and help you. Yep. Uh, I'm with Sister Tanika Drake. Sometimes we'll be on my podcast and then other times we'll be on hers. I think she's one of the most prolific podcasters uh, out here. And I suggest that everyone listen to her podcast. Uh, Tanika, what's your podcast uh, title? God's Gift Through His Word. God Gift Through His Word. You're going to get good music, awesome prayer, and great scripture uh, reading and interpretation. So I, I think it's a blessing. Uh, matter of fact, she's the one who kind of is helping me through the land of podcasts, and I appreciate her. She's very, very. Uh, she doesn't think so at times, but I think she she's a she's on the rise, and so I think she's someone to pay attention to. Not only being a podcaster, but I'm trying to convince her to be a broadcaster. So, <laughs> prayer, and uh, she has a book coming out, and you have a book coming out, don't you? I do, Pastor Jay. I do have a book coming out. What's the name of your book? Let's see. Let me think about that because it's been a minute. The <laughs> gift. <laughs> Let me see. The gift of finding God's love, guilt and shame turned into my shine. That's a mouthful. Amen. And then we're, we're, we're going to discuss that one of these podcasts uh, of your book and what it means and how did it come about. But uh, I think it's a, we've discussed it several times privately. I think it's an awesome thing to bring uh, the plight of domestic violence to yes. life inside the church and outside the church. Definitely. So, so today, we're going to talk about, and I've been talking to you and talking to others and, and giving the background on we're gonna, what we're going to talk about today. We're going to talk about being offended. Offended. Yeah, we're going to talk about being offended. Uh, when I explored this, actually, um, I had wrote some posts on Facebook and didn't realize that the subject had been covered by someone else, but it's great to be confirmed that you're on the right track. I wrote some posts on Facebook and then a uh, saint that's a friend of mine on Facebook, uh, Evangelist M. White, she's out there in California, somewhere near you. Uh, okay. She posted, she sent me back a book called uh, to get a book called The Bait of Satan. All right. And I've been reading it uh, by John Revere, and it's been the most revolutionary book other than the Bible that I've read in years. It's not about fluff. It's not about prosperity, but it's about how we let it, how we handle offenses in the body of Christ and in our just day-to-day -day lives. And, and uh, I've always preached out of Matthew 18 <clears throat> that gives us a blueprint how to handle conflict. But another word for conflict is offense. So we just want to talk around the book, a little bit of scripture. But, you know, when you think of offense, Tanika, what do you think about? For me, I think it's things that come against our natural our natural perception, things that we haven't dealt with. So if someone were to say something to me, 
like you're an idiot that might set me off and I might feel offended by what they've said to me mm-hmm. now maybe I've taken it out of context because maybe they were talking about something else and all I could hear was the word idiot so from that now I'm angry now I don't want to talk to you now I'm holding a grudge now love has somehow left and I kind of start to feel a little animosity okay towards that person okay and that's a good place to start so if we just take what you just said and let's let's move it inside of the framework of the body of Christ, mm-hmm. the body of Christ where love is supposed to abound, we can get offended by what we hear and misinterpret. So yes, you can. It's upon the level of maturity that we have and understanding of words that a lot of times determine whether we're offended or not. Sometimes our educational level determines when we hear a certain word, we get offended. I call it uh, the power to define. Whereas as you mature and matriculate through life, <clears throat> some through school, some through experience, words that hurt you in the past don't hurt you. You know what I'm saying? You between yeah. above them and beyond them. So if you hear them, they don't automatically trigger an offense. And I believe that's the secret to having a peaceable Christian life is to learn how to deal with offense and not be so quickly to offend. It's quite interesting to me that the, one of the urgency, and I would think one of the greatest urgencies in the state of the church is that we become offended and we are tossed out into the sea. Now, this is the acronym S-E-A. When we're offended, okay. we're tossed out into the sea, S-E-A. And our reaction mm-hmm. is in the sea, S-E-A. We, we, we need to be sympathetic or, or empathetic. Sympathetic means... I feel what you feel. Empathetic means I understand how you feel. Uh-huh. What ends up happening when we're offended, instead of being sympathetic and empathetic, we become apathetic. Uh, okay. We don't care. Right. And what we've done is sympathy is a Christian virtue. Empathy is a Christian virtue, but apathy is not. And when we be offended, what we'll do is we'll hide behind the sympathy, what we should be doing, praying and all that, to end up not caring because we are offended. And we don't never really want to admit that we're offended. You know, we don't want to admit that we're off course. Right. In the book, John talked about, and in the video, John talked about there's two kinds of offended people. The ones who are actually offended, something has been done wrong to them. And then there are those who perceive that they have an offense because they've misdiagnosed or misunderstood or miscalculated information and just went awry. Now, I kind of mm-hmm. want to go back and forth in that because I think the most dangerous one is the one that it perceives that they've been offended because they do the most egregious things. But just an offended person, I mean, we want to show you in scripture, kind of just walking through it slowly uh, or rapidly, for this time's sake. Uh, <laughs> What happens when someone gets offended and how Jesus kind of told us these things will happen. So let's let's look at and I'm going to have you read it if, I, if you would may. Let's look at uh, Matthew 24. And let's start at verse. Verse six and whatever version you read out of is fine with me. I have the King James and the ESV if you have. King James or something different. Just let it, let me know which version you read now, though. If okay, I, which one do you think? Doesn't make a difference. Just start whatever you want to do. 
Okay, give me that chapter once again. Uh, Matthew 24, verse 6, starting at verse 6. Matthew 24, verse 6. And this is Jesus telling them what's going to happen in the future. So this is church age. Okay, this is church age. This is up to his return. So we're in the time of grace in the church age. So this is going to happen when he leaves. Okay, I want to okay. set the context, the historical time frame. He's telling them what's going to happen when he departs. Okay, so verse 6 out of 24, right? Matthew 24, starting at verse 6. Okay, so I'm going to be reading out of the NIV. Okay. Okay, so verse 6. You will hear of wars and rumors of wars, but see to it that you are not alarmed. Such things must happen, but the end is still to come. Okay, now in the King James Version, it says... These things must come to pass, meaning they have to happen. Right. The Bible says must, just like in uh, uh, John, when he was talking to Nicodemus, he said, you must be born again. Okay. So these are right. things that got to happen. So this is serious. We, we pass over and say must, and then we pass over it real quickly. And we, and we need not do that. We need to understand. This is Jesus telling us these things have to happen. Go ahead. Okay, verse 7. Nation will rise against nation and kingdom against kingdom. There will be famines and earthquakes in various places. All these are the beginning of birth pains. Then you will be handed over to be persecuted and put to death. And you will be hated by all nations because of me. So now we have a situation where... Jesus is saying, what's going on now? You will be hated because of me. Go ahead. Okay. At that time, many will return. Many will turn away from the faith and will betray and hate each other. Okay. Stop right there. Okay. Stop right there. In the King James, it says many will be offended. Uh-huh. In verse 9, it says, then they shall deliver you up to be afflicted and shall kill you, and ye shall be handed over all nations for my name's sake. Then it says, and then shall many be offended. Hmm. That's King James Version. And then many shall be offended. Why are they offended? Because stuff, all hell is breaking loose for those who follow hmm. Christ. Just simply put, all external pressures are being <laughs> on the body of Christ. Mm -hmm. And many will be offended. Now, many, as John said in, his, in the book, is more than 50%. Many is not a few. You know, the Bible is very clear. Many is a lot of people. Okay. Many, and the reason why they'll be offended is due to the pressure, but it's not working the way they want it to. You know what I'm saying? Jesus yeah. is not intervening. God is not coming down and saving them. You know, the, the problem with the Jews, because we have to remember, the church was Jewish at first. Mm -hmm. They were looking for a Davidic king. So one of the reasons when Jesus had to wean out those who couldn't take it, and when he said in John that you must eat of my blood and drink of my flesh, it weaned away a whole bunch of followers because they were following him for the miracles that he did. And they figured the miracles were a, a clear example of his power and authority but what they wanted to do is become get back to the days of David, which were promised, but they needed 
salvation first. And that's what they did not see. So even when Jesus, uh, the preacher of the gospel, there's no one-to-one -one correlation to uh, economic comfort, you know, or social comfort or, or financial comfort. You may have to endure some things and you will be offended. Right. You will be offended. It says, okay, in, in King David Version say, and they shall, and 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 then shall many be offended and shall betray one another. Well, where's the betrayal happening? The question is, where's this betrayal happening? It has to be inside the body of Christ. Right. They so what it tells me is, is that once a Christian gets offended and they don't handle it correctly, godly, Matthew 18 type, then they begin to what? Portray each other. Now think about betrayal. <clears throat> think about betrayal. You know, that's when you, you put up your interest of protection above the betterment of someone else. You're, you're protecting yourself. You will do anything right, like to protect Brianna. yourself. <clears throat> Including going against them on a perceived offense. Now you got to remember, you you've been offended or perceived offended, and now you have to protect yourself. And when you protect yourself, what do you do? You build up what walls. walls. Yeah. And what does walls do? Keep people out. Yeah. But these walls will a betrayal will lead to something else. It says, it says they betray shall betray one another, and this shall. Now think about shall is a promise. So this is going to happen. This must happen. Everything I'm reading now must happen. And they should portray one another and shall hate one another. Mm. Now your portrayal has led to what? Hate. Hate. Mm -hmm. Now we're not dealing with one person being offended. We're talking about the domino effect of the offender, the offended becoming what? An offender. Right. Inside the body of Christ. Because things are not happening spiritually, socially, economically, psychologically, physically, the way they want them to happen. And because they worship Jesus, the true God, the blood is not working for them. Okay? Mm -hmm. and, and many false prophets shall rise. Right. Shall deceive many. Mm -hmm. Be back to many. Well, mm -hmm. why are false prophets able to rise and deceive many? Because the people they run to are the hurt people. The people they run to are the hurt people. Now, watch this. And verse 12 says, and because iniquity shall abound, that means it's everywhere in the body, the love of many, we back to those many, see, these yeah. men have to be inside the body of Christ. You know what I'm saying? He can't be talking about those who are outside the body. Because they wouldn't know. He has to be, because what's the point? What's the point? We already know that the outside the body don't love. Yeah. He can't be talking about, see, that. this is where I'm saying this was proper explanation of scripture. He's not telling us something that's not going to happen externally. He's telling us what will happen internally in the body. And it says, and because the, re and the, the repercussions, the outcome, and because of this hate, iniquity shall abound, and the love of, of many shall wax what? Cold. Cold. Mm -hmm. 
So the love that you have, that should have the agape love, and I'm not talking about the eros or the phileo, I'm talking about the agape love, the God-type love, the sacrificial love, will be non-existent. It will wax cold. It will become hard. You think about cold wax. It's, cold wax is hard. Mm -hmm. It is. It'll wax cold. Instead of running warm with the flame of the power of the Holy Spirit, it is something that if you don't get it under control, it will cause your agape love to become cold. Then it talks about those that's experiencing it. It says, but the ones that endure mm -hmm. the end, the, shame, the same shall be saved. <clears throat> and this is not of the salvation. The ones who endure the coldness, the bitterness, the offense of others, endured mm -hmm. by scripture, by the power of the Holy Spirit, we shall make it out of it. It won't last. The affliction, the Bible tells us that the affliction is temporary in comparison or not even worth talking about in comparison to what we're going to experience in glory. So we have to keep our mind focused on Jesus. Right. And I know we say that so glibly, but, but what about the Jesus do we need to keep our mind focused on? The forgiveness. And the love. Only way to handle the, 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 the offense is to forgive. Mm -hmm. And Jesus tells us that we should forgive seven, seven, seven times 70 every day. And Lucas says every day. And offenses will come, but we have to learn how to forgive. Now we talked about forgiveness. So what do you what is your definition of forgiveness? Well, my definition is to is for well for me. If someone has hurt me or someone has done something wrong to me, that I am to in a way let whatever has happened to me. Mm -hmm. Let it go and not to remember it and not to keep recalling it up. Just let it go like it had not transpired to me so harsh that it keeps coming back as brand new pain. Okay. And we, and we just learned that if you stay in a state of offense and allow it to keep coming back and hurting you, mm -hmm. then you're, you're breeding ground to be deceived and start hurting other people. Well, false teachers and false prophets will rise up and snag you and, and snare you and bring you in. If you go to uh, Matthew 7, 15, it talks about beware of the false prophets who come to you as sheeps. Mm -hmm. And the clothing. So think about this. They don't come as shepherds. No. They're in the pews with you, the hurt people in the pews with you. Being a pastor, one of the interest, most interesting uh, dynamics of the, the, the body of Christ is that you want the saints to communicate with each other, but you want a mature saint somewhere in that mix because it is amazing to me what the saints come up with when they get offended, when they when that sheep is now, this wolf is, is with amongst the sheep and they saw what? Discord amongst the brethren. Mm-hmm. Every congregation has them. And I think there's a proverb about that, isn't it, uh, Tanika? There's a proverb about 
that one who sows discord. And we can see how God uh, does not like someone to sow discord amongst the brethren. And you say, well, it's just, you know, we just pray for them. No, Matthew <laughs> kicked them out the church if they don't repent. But we're so concerned about the money. And again, what I found out is the wolves write the big checks because they don't they they know the heart of the, the clergy sometimes. And I'm not talking about all clergy, but too many to be counted. They know that if as long as I write the check and fund the pastor's salary and, and the events and all of that, that I will ever be dealt with. And they can run amok amongst the brethren and show discord. Did we did we talk about I heard they had that? Do you have that one? No, which one is that? Proverbs 616. Okay, say that again. You said it real fast. Proverbs 616. Proverbs. There, there, and I'll read it. There are six things that the Lord hates. Now, I think we're in good ground if we hate what the Lord hates. What do you think? I think that's the best way to be. <laughs> okay. And then he says the seven. There's one more thing that are that is an abomination to him. Guess what the seventh thing is? The brother, the one who sows discord amongst the brethren. Mm. A hurt saint that gets deceived, that starts with hate, their love waxes cold, and they end up becoming the person who sows discord trying to get people to side with them in their hurt. So causing a lot of chaos. Causing chaos in the body of Christ. Now, Matthew 18 tells us how to deal with them, but the point of dealing with them, Matthew, the way Matthew 18 tells us to, and most people know it, you come to them, then you bring witnesses, then you take them before the church, and then the leaders uh, decide, and God, and Jesus said, I'm with you, whatever decision you make to bind or to loose. Okay, you're touching and agreeing, you're buying and loose on this subject matter. The goal is to not even get to the point where you're churching them or you putting them on trial. The goal is for the, the witnesses and the individual that have the problem with the next individual to work it out and repent if there's a real offense. Mm -hmm. The shame them or make them understand that the fellowship with the saints is so important. And so much of their life that they do not want to be excommunicated from the fellowship. Now, we're not talking about salvation. We're talking about from the fellowship. But they love the saints so much that agape love that they were willing to, <coughs> excuse me, work it out <clears throat> or set down their differences. How important do you think it is that we work out our differences in church? <clears throat> excuse me. Well, for me, I know that that's a big deal because you have to see these people on a regular basis. You're not just going to see them one time and done. You have mm -hmm. to see them very often. So it would be hoove us to take care of it and not let the offenses get to such a point that you no longer want to talk to someone. You have some kind of chip on your shoulder. Whenever you look at sister such and such or brother such and such, you can't do that and walk around and be like that. Mm -hmm. Yeah, because, you know, some people 
or at church as much as they're at their job. Yes. And and since that's a dynamic within itself, a social dynamic within itself, that has mores and morals that we deal with supposedly based upon scripture, if love is the highest uh, uh, um, attribute of the church towards each other, and, 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 and God said at this point in time, there's going to be deception in the church based upon offended people. It is imperative that the church become better at dealing and meeting the offense because there's nothing worse than an apathetic person inside a church. They'll continue to come to church, but as they're at first, they won't do anything. They'll just sit there. But then after a while, they'll look for other wounded people, not even wounded the way they were, and try to pull them in and then start reaching out like a mushroom. You know, and it could be real offended people and perceived offended people, but they'll band together because they what? They're offended. Mm-hmm. But, all, but the funny part about that is eventually, which I've seen it happen, when they're confronted, they'll betray each other. And that's a mess. <laughs> but it sounds like a mess. But the Bible says, but there are those of us who are going to endure. And the only way for us to endure is to endure under forgiveness. Remember when Jesus was hanging on the cross mm-hmm. and we offended him. And the way you learn how to deal with offense mm-hmm. is you always go to the cross when you're ready to get, when you become offended. And you, and you look at the cross and you say, I offended Christ and put him on the cross. Mm-hmm. He forgave me. How much more should I be willing to forgive the petty offenses that are foolish most of the time that I perceive as an offense. And, and, it, and, it's, and it's a learned thing. It's not going to happen overnight. It's a practice thing. It's, it's a meditative uh, a position to be in, to be able to, before you get offended, try to look in the eyes of Jesus and listen to his words say, forgive them for they do not know what they do. At the height of the offense towards Jesus of putting him on the cross, he still mustered enough strength to say, forgive them, Father, for they don't know what they do. Not only forgiving those who participated in, in his crucifixion and the Jews, but for that point all the way forward and back, where man's love for God has waxed cold. In the Old Testament, they call him stiff neck. In the New, he's saying the love will wax cold, hard-hearted, stiff neck people, hard-headed, you know, following idols. And if we're if we're not careful with dealing with offense, we'll build up a wall and believe mm-hmm. that we're doing the work of God in the offense. And bringing others to the point of deception. And we'll do that. And we'll say we're doing it for the sake of God. Mm. And that's the scary part. Excuse me. Because in 2 Timothy, it talks about the fact that these brothers and sisters who deal with foolishness, Mm -hmm. deal with foolishness in 2 Timothy uh, 2 and 23, and I want the people to go back and read in 24. 
it talks about the fact that these people who are deceived, who are hurt, how they feel is hurt, are already deceived. We prove that. They already love wax cold, but we have to patiently try to teach them and bring them back to a state of repentance. We have to remind them how good God was. Romans 2 and 4 tells us that the, that the understanding of the goodness of God should lead us to repentance. Our job is to bring them back to repentance with kindness in our teaching, but telling them the truth. Now, that is the issue. Are we willing to give them the truth? And let me ask you a question, sister. Does the yeah. truth need a chaser? No, it doesn't. Okay. And if the truth, and I know people say, well, you there's, there's a way to tell the truth. If you are a truth teller and you spend all your time figuring out trying to, a way to appeal to each person's ear with the truth, you will probably get frustrated and never say anything. That's right. Because just like you said in the beginning, you heard an offensive word, but you can't, and nine times out of 10, I found out, they hear the word that triggers them and the content of what's being said totally missed. Yeah. It's totally missed. Because you said, what word did you use that offend, that you said that you might have been offended by? I said idiot. <laughs> All right. <clears throat> and idiot is, by itself is, is, is a offensive word. Now, if you look at scripture, the word fool is on the same level as idiot. <laughs> yeah. But people don't want to be called fools, do they? No, they don't. But let, let, let I'm gonna do I'm gonna do a content way of looking at something. If and I'm gonna say this, and I say this, if you as a child of, of God, so if you are a child of God, that means God is your what? Father. He's your father. Mm -hmm. You are a child of God, and God is your father, and God has admonished uh uh and 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 talked against the traditions of men. And when you raise what you do, how you do, and the way your denomination or non-denomination does something and practices day-to-day -day worship, the traditions of your denomination, traditions of your pastor, above the word of God, then you, as a child of God, must be a fool. Because he said, my word is spirit, and he requires us to worship him in what? Spirit, spirit and in truth. Now, you may get offended by I just said you use a fool. So I could put the word idiot. Now, think about your own parents. We mm -hmm. did something against what they said even after being warned, they looked at you and said, you must be stupid. I didn't already told you what to do. Right. Keep doing that. <laughs> now, you'd rather get the offense of that word than get what comes next. Because what comes next is the what? Chastisement. Oh, yeah. <laughs> that too. See, fit me 
with the word because I don't want to be offended with the belt. Mm-hmm. So if we look at it like that, when we're being corrected, instructed, and it rubs up us up against us, and it and it pricks us, we should be able to receive that in the corrective love because if you sugarcoat the word of God, at some point you've changed it. The Bible mm-hmm. says that the church is salt. The word of God is salt. What does salt do? Salt preserves. Salt cures. Flavors. Flavors. And the Bible mm-hmm. tells us extremely well that if this salt, which is the body of Christ, loses its savor, the salt that depends on the word of God loses its flavor, its, cure, its curing ability, its preserving mm-hmm. ability, then it's worth nothing. Right. Well, if you add sugar to salt together, you can't separate the salt from the sugar. And people who are offended tend to run away from the curing power of the salt of the word of God that corrects them enough to lead them to repentance. And I tell people all the time, the same word that cuts you is the same word that cures you. But you have to be willing to submit to the cutting. You got to be willing to submit to the operation of God on your heart. Right. So your love won't wax cold. Right now, you there's some people you need to forgive and I need to forgive. And, and, and as soon as we forgive them, we talk about this, the big R word. After forgiveness, what's the R word? Reconciliation. Reconciliation. <laughs> now, tell me your idea of that and your problem with that. Okay, so for reconciliation, going back and restoring whatever uh, relationship was broken or there was a breach um, where you talk about forgiving. So the only issue I have with that, and you know, it's depending on relationship issue, particular persons. So certain people you ought not to reconcile with, not because God's word is not true, but sometimes after God has removed you and separated you for your protection, it would behoove you to stay away from that person. Now, if it's familial or it's friendship or another kind of relationship, salvage that, reconcile those. But you must be mindful and careful to use common sense as God has given you as well to not go back and, oh, I love and reconcile and go get yourself in the detriment and hurt of your own body. You must be careful. Right. Because let's, let's, let's do it forgiveness and work our way to reconciliation. I can forgive you. Now, God gave us the ministry of reconciliation, the ministry, meaning the, 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 the wanting, the talking, the, the, the propagating of the ministry of reconciliation. Mm-hmm. Once I forgive you, you have to accept my forgiveness. Okay? You have to accept. Okay. You don't have to, but let, we're heading towards reconciliation. So you have to accept my forgiveness. Or if I'm asking for forgiveness, there's got to be a mutual, I forgive, okay, we forgive each other. Mm -hmm. Now, reconciliation takes into account of when you reconcile books in accounting, they are balanced, right? Right. A lot of times in forgiveness, if you're the person forgiving, you're still out of balance with that person that you forgave. 
because reconciliation takes both sides to come together to let two walk let two walk together they can't agree you know two have to these two have to come to the point where there's a balance in the forgiveness and the wanting of reconciliation if reconciliation and I'm talking about true reconciliation I'm not talking about the reconciliation where one tricks the other person to put them back in harm's way I'm not talking, that's not reconciliation. That's a power. That's deceit. See, that's a still hurt person deceiving the other person to exact vengeance. Mm -hmm. Still hurt. Reconciliation, you put the hurt behind and you both want to get to balance. You both want to work this out. But it takes two. It takes two. You can't reconcile by yourself because what are you reconciling to? And reconciliation means that there's an understanding. So there's a level of reconciliation that you may come to and say, we can never come together again. You have reconciled in your mind, balanced it out in your mind, that this ain't going to work. And they have too. Yeah. Even if they haven't. The Bible tells us to be wise as serpents and gentle as doves. We can't let some foolish interpretation of how we love each other confuse the fact that we need to be wise mm -hmm. in our dispensational handing out of reconciliation. Now, forgiveness got to do. We have to minister people into reconciliation. That's why it gave us the ministry. We have to work them. It's a process. But forgiveness should be always on the forefront of a, of a Christian's mind. Because right. in the father's mind, the same thing was there. He forgave us. When did he forgive us? While he was offended on the cross. Yeah. You know. He is the mediator between man and God, Jesus. But we have to appreciate what was done on the cross for us so we won't be offended. And I've learned through this journey of the past couple of months and even the past couple of years, the less you are offended, the more you see things clearly. Hmm. When you're offended, you can't see nothing clearly. Because the offense blinds you, since it deceives you and, and, and causes you to, to, to betray and hate and become and you, because you're offended, how can you see things clearly and godly? You can still participate in service because your body is automatic for that. You can still go to all the functions. You can raise your hands, but you carry offense in your heart. Hmm. And it leads me to one last thing that we do. We need to really think about when we take communion, are we offended? Or have we offended someone? Meaning that if you're not in a state of repentance, based upon you understanding what God, how good God has been, are you sitting there taking communion unlawfully based upon the hatred and betrayal that's in your heart? I mean, you in line, communion line, and the person that, that you have a problem with his three, 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 three people in front of you. And you're sitting there talking about hating them as you're walking down the communion line. You can see it in the people's faces. Hmm. They'll take communion anyway. 
I think that's on the on the pastor. He needs to be more in tune with the spirit of his of the sheep. And and, and this is just my opinion. If we don't deal with the repentance before communion and a contrite heart, that whole body need not take communion. Because we need to deal with something. Especially right. if it's at the point where that abomination that is in this person is being deceived, that the devil is using them at his will. And that in that second Timothy in verse uh 24 it talks about the devil getting them back because the devil's been using them at his will. Think about this. The devil's using the offended, deceived, loveless saint. Mm. Loveless saint, void of love. When God says hate, he means void of love. He doesn't mean visceral hate like we do. Mm -hmm. It's a void of his love. And when you're void of the agape love as a child of God, when you take on that, that posture of knowing the truth and what you're supposed to do, in Romans, God said, he turned these people who continued to be this way because they knew the truth over to their own lust and desires. And their lust and desires come up and breed this hate and deception and it keeps rolling and rolling. I believe a lot of churches are closed. A lot of churches don't make it because we don't deal with offense correctly. Yeah. We want to deal with everything else. Cake, bake, <laughs> kids ministries but when that seed of offense is planted offense is planted in your church and you don't deal with it mm -hmm. it's passing in every program you got and there's be a secret deception a seed of hurt in each program and you'll find out why is nobody coming and you know what it always boils down to brother so-and-so or sister so-and-so when you find out it's because they were offended So how do you figure that out, Pastor Jay? How do I figure what out? What to do? No, when you said, um, you were just stating earlier that if you have offended someone, maybe perhaps you don't know and you offended them, but they've never told you. How do you figure out that person's been offended by you? Let's be real. They normally show you. Okay. They normally show you. They won't talk to you when it's time to, to fellowship and hug on each other. They'll the hug, you know, you know, the offended person hugs in a different kind of way than one who is full of love. They're they just have to be aware. Yeah, they're signs. Because they're not able to keep the fact that they're offended and be around you for long. Okay. They'll even tell somebody. You got to remember, they're offended, so now they're going to become the offender. So why would they let you feel comfortable? They got to get somebody on their side to talk against you. They're going to eventually say something. They can't keep that under wraps. <laughs> they can't keep it to themselves. They, right. I, misery loves what? Company. Company. <laughs> yeah. Love company. Because they don't want to be out there by themselves. <laughs> they already know they're isolated. And what happens when a wolf isolates a sheep? From the pack. Attacks them and kills them. Yeah. So as long as we are on one accord in one body and, and don't allow offenses to occur to separate the brothers and sisters in Christ, 
to be separated and used by the devil, then it's imperative that we deal with this stuff. Right. Sympathy. Empathy. But never apathy. So offenses will come, but we got to decide how we're going to handle it. And we have to handle it as a pattern in Matthew 18. But again, I know that the nervousness comes when that offense is to the point where that person should be asked to leave. And again, the asking to leave is not something that should be taken lightly. You should try everything that you can to restore them. You want to get them in a position to practice uh, Galatians 6 and 1. But Galatians 6 and 1 can only be practiced once someone has come to repentance. Mm -hmm. And I'm not talking about, I'm talking real repentance. When they've understood that, that, that the goodness of God and, and, and giving them grace and letting them act this way. And giving them mercy. That I understand the goodness of God and leads me to repent because I am outside of the fellowship. Because I'm offended. And I come to realize that through reading of the scripture and the power of the Holy Spirit, that because I'm offended, I'm in dangerous territory to begin to offend others, trying to seek revenge. Mm. To balance the, the offense out through an offense. Our world is, is, is moving on the offensive level. You bring <laughs> children in school. Mm -hmm. Fight after school, fight after school. People duke it out and go about their way. Sometimes they become friends. I have a situation when I grew up in high in junior high where me and this, this my one of my best friends to this day. People uh, uh, egged on a fight between us two. And as we were fighting, everybody else enjoying it, and we start fighting, start looking at them. <laughs> but that don't happen nowadays. What happens? You bring you bring your knuckles, they bring a knife. Yeah, or worse. Think about it. It goes, it goes up the scale. Mm -hmm. My fish, you want a little bit better on me, so you bring a knife. I think you're going to bring a knife and I bring a what? A gun. Gun. Mm -hmm. Then you bring an AK-47. And so on and so on and so on. So it, eventually this whack, this, this hatred turns into death. Isn't yeah. that part of Satan's plan? To get the saints to turn yeah. each other and try to kill each other. But right. we just read that. Mm -hmm. So I just want to encourage the saints to really dive into this. Get the book Debate of Satan. It's on YouTube. Look at the sermon. I think it would be revolutionary for your church. This book is 20 years old. Mm. And I thank uh, Evangelist White for being so gracious due to the things that I was writing to see that I showed me that I was on the right page with this because I was talking about it and didn't even know that there was a book about it. Matter of fact, I preached on this matter, not really realizing there was a book. And she said, Here, here's a book about it. And, and because my bishop wanted me to start writing a book from my perspective, and I told him the other day, there's already a book out here that's really good. Yeah. And I suggest you read. You know, I suggest you read The Bait of Satan. And, and an author is John. Yeah. 
great book, audio book. You can get an all Amazon audio. You can get audio books. So it comes audio, you can get the paperback. And if you get the paperback that's fairly new, it comes with a CD of the sermon. But the sermon is actually free on YouTube. So I just want to encourage people today to really ask themselves, are they handling offense right? And if they are offended, be careful because you can be used by Satan and deceived and your love begins to wax cold. Mm -hmm. Any closing words, Sister Tanika? The only closing words I wanted to say is we need to guard our hearts. We need to guard our hearts and make sure that we don't become apathetic people and void of love. We need to always remember to love one another. Amen. And with that, this is Pastor Teacher Dr. James Sutton of Walking True Christian Fellowship Church and Tanika Drake of God's gift, what, in his word? Through his word, Pastor James. <laughs> Through his word, amen. And we're signing off and again, look forward to this podcast. And we welcome anybody else that wants to join the conversation with us. Just get in touch with either one of us. We can plan a time since we're all over the planet. Uh, that's right. <laughs> so we have to get a time that's convenient for everyone that we can come and talk about the issues of this world, the issues of the church. Again, the church is going through a time of emergency and urgency where we are in the middle of the sea. But we, we need to be sympathetic. We need to be empathetic. But apathetic is a no-no. God wants us to get involved. He wants us to pray. He wants us to move by the power of the Holy Spirit and know when it's time to move and know when it's time to sit still. But don't use the conflict as a reason to do nothing because something be done or the seeds of discord will be sown in your church and in your family and in your life. So look at Matthew 18, read over the scriptures that we gave. And again, I suggest you get the book of Satan. All right, Tanika, I'll talk to you later. All right, later, Pastor Jay. Peace.